Today on the show, Nashville artist Betsy Long is here. We talk about her grandfather playing for Dolly Parton, her coming into her own as an artist, the hardships that led to the songs on her upcoming full-length record, and so much more on episode 96 of Who Writes This Stuff. Hello! Welcome to Who Writes This Stuff. My name is Nick Flora. This is it, guys. The final four episodes. Uh, for those of you who missed it, I made an announcement earlier this week uh, that I'll be closing up shop on Ye Old Podcast pretty soon. At episode 100, actually, um, which is four episodes away. It's not far. Which is sad, but it's also, well, you know, for a full explanation, you can go listen to the last little uh, mini episode that I posted on iTunes uh, or SoundCloud. Go listen to that if you want to know. Uh, before we get into this week's episode, though, um, uh, some of you might be aware, but I released a record last week or two weeks ago. No, it was last week. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's fe- it felt like a month ago, really. But um, a couple of weeks ago. Oh, my gosh. I said it again. Okay. Last week, I released a record, September 22nd of 2015. And uh, I'm really proud of it. It's called Future Boy. I've talked about it on this podcast. You literally, if you go back and listen to the beginning episodes of this year, I talk about the writing process of it. Eh, vaguely, uh, but if you go back now, knowing that the record has come out and knowing the songs a little bit, you'll definitely, uh, I think you can kind of piece it together a little bit. Um, but no, it's out now, and I'm really excited about it. And go to iTunes uh, or Amazon or Bandcamp if you're, you know, a Bandcamp kid, and um, and get it. Um, I have physical copies as well at my store at nickflora.com, or you can come to a show. I'm playing a bunch of shows, guys, in October. I'm playing all over the Midwest. I'm playing in Indiana. I'm playing in Missouri. I'm playing in Illinois. I'm playing in Michigan. I'm playing in Wisconsin. All those states, I'm playing shows. So go to nickflora.com for info there. And also, since you like podcasts so much, uh, I've started a little mini podcast, short run, seven episodes or so, where I go into sort of the themes and each song track by track of Future Boy, my new record. Um, if you want to go, if you just search Future Boy on iTunes, or you can go to SoundCloud and type in Future Boy or Nick Flora, it's on my uh, Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff too. And they're like three to five minutes each, and uh, I think they're pretty cool. So if you like Future Boy or you want to get into it and you want to sort of know where I was coming from when I wrote them, that's a great way to do it. Go listen to the Future Boy podcast. It's very short, but since you love podcasts and you're listening to this one and you like them with my voice in it, this is a way to do that. So, all right, this episode. Guys, it's a really great one, and surprisingly so, mostly because I didn't know what to expect. Betsy Long is on the show. I didn't know uh, Betsy at all before we recorded this podcast. You literally hear our first conversation. Um, well, maybe our second, because she did walk into the door, and we had a little bit of a short, how, how are you, that kind of thing. But this is basically our first conversation, and uh, that rarely happens. You know, It's always a fun and pleasant surprise when it does, when the person shows up and we haven't met and they end up being delightful and lovely. Uh, but, and Betsy's no exception to that. She's uh, a great singer, great songwriter, um, a lovely person, and ha- has just a really interesting story. And uh, I'm excited for you guys to hear it because um, I know that a lot of you who listen to this podcast love artists and you love new artists and discovering new artists and you love uh, stories behind artists and how they came to be their origin story, if you will. And so there's a lot of that. Um, really, I think there's a lot to uh, get out of this one uh, for sure. She has a new record that's coming out early in 2016. Um, she has a single that's coming out in November. We play a little bit of that in the episode and uh, trust me, it's going to tease you enough where you're going to want to go listen to the whole thing. It's really good. And uh, this is an artist that I think you're going to want to keep track of. So go find her on Twitter and Facebook and, uh, and, and follow this, her career uh make note of betsy long because she's awesome and uh, i had a great time hanging out with her and you're about to hear it you're literally about to hear (laughs) for those of you who are so confused about what a podcast is um you're literally about to hear us hang out for an hour and uh and talk so let's get into it here's episode 96 the final four with betsy long Yeah, but like I was saying, I don't, I don't know you at all. Like this is a, a really interesting arrangement. I love it. I love just how random uh, Nashville is in the way where you just meet people, however you meet them. Mm-hmm. You know, so we might be best friends one day, Betsy. We don't know. It's possible. We don't. <laughs> we don't know. Uh-huh. Uh, where are you from originally? Because your voice is interesting. Where's what is this accent? I'm actually from Nashville. Are actually. you? I grew up 
eight minutes from here, according no. to the GPS. Are uh -huh. you serious? Uh -huh. I did. Yeah. What, wait, what area? Uh, Bellevue over okay. by city limits. Yeah, yeah. Right by the tracks. That's interesting. Yeah, born and raised. Because I feel like... Uh, most people, well, the first time it's rare. You probably hear this a lot that anybody is from here. Mm -hmm. So, what what brought your parents here that you would grow up in Nashville? Because most people are this is like a transplant town for most people. Mm -hmm. uh, well, my parents and my grandparents were all musicians. Okay, and so my my mom's dad came here. I'm not sure when, but he came here and played on a lot of like Dolly records. Oh, and really, Porter Wagner and. Jerry Lee Lewis, a lot of... What does he play? Of, uh, bass. Oh, nice. Yeah. He's a... He's, he passed on in 94, but he played on okay. a lot of classic records. And um, he came here, and then, I guess, from Texas. And then my mom grew up in Amarillo, Texas. Okay. And uh, she eventually made her way down here at some point in the 80s. And so did my dad from Indiana, because he wanted to play guitar. He felt like he was sent here to play guitar and eventually started playing for like Aretha Franklin and like... Really? Um, I think Al Green at one point and a lot of gospel acts, uh, Candy Station. I yeah. mean, I actually looked at his um, list last night. We were really? working on the bio and I was like, Dad, like I didn't realize you played for all these people. Yeah. So, uh, so that's what brought them here, music. My mom okay. wanted to sing and, you know, her dad was here and my dad wanted to play. They fell in love in a band, you know, Course, Love it, and then my sister and I were born. That's so, oh, that's yeah. that, oh, that's how that happens. Okay, so that's how I got so here. Parent, yeah. Parents find each other, fall in love, and then siblings. Okay, that's this what is I all, hear. This yeah. is all very new to me. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> you're being very helpful. Oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> so that we actually have that's the first thing we have in common because my dad is a jazz horn player, but he cool. he played with Aretha Franklin. Well, who's your dad back in the day? Um, his name is Sim Flora. But I, he hasn't really done it. Like, this was in the 70s. Yeah. He's not, like, well-known necessarily. I mean, in his circles, he definitely is. Uh, I've been treading on his name for years. But, yeah, in I the 70s, that, yeah. he he lived in St. Louis. And anytime like, Aretha or, like, you know, any of the Rat Pack people would sort of come through, they would hire local mm -hmm. musicians to sort of play. And I guess so they could pay pay him a little less than, than just bringing people on the road. And he so anytime Aretha or, like, the Temptations, people like that would come through, he would get to play sort of for the week when they were at a casino or wherever cool. they were, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting to be all the different types of jobs. Cause I, I'm, I'm assuming that still happens. Maybe not as much. I think most mu big musicians bring people with them, I think not. but it's such a cool concept, but I didn't learn about that, about him until way later until really? I was like in my twenties. <laughs> so it's interesting that you yeah, were just talking so about cool, like, dad. wait, dad, what did right? you do? Why aren't you bragging about uh -huh. this all the time? Oh, I know. My dad's so humble. Like I actually have to Google him to find out like who he's played with. People will ask and I'm like, I don't really oh, know. I don't know. <laughs> Google him. Yeah. Well, Lisa, so how did he... I mean, I don't want to interview you about him, but like, how did, do you know how he like got hooked up with like Dolly Parton and these people? Uh, well, my grandpa played with Dolly Parton, but he, oh, okay. and my dad did, was with like the soul people, like Aretha and oh. all those gospel, um, icons, really amazing gospel singers. Um, so he, I guess he came here and just over time he was in bands and he met people, you know, that would say, you're really awesome. You should play in this band. And, uh. Just and, word gets out. Yeah, and he just started playing sessions. And then my, my grandpa, I actually don't know how he got started. Um, but I know he played on a lot of cool albums. That's what, So your your roots are steeped here. Like mm -hmm. you have, so it would be weird if you didn't play music. It would. <laughs> I know, which is what my sister says. It's She's sort of like writer. the family business a little bit. Yeah. That's so. what, how did, uh, so I I did a little bit. I thought it'd be cool if you came over and I didn't know anything and I just learned about you. But I did some Googling. Um, but you don't, do you have a record out at this point or is this record you're working on now your sort of debut, quote unquote, record? I'm saying it's my debut. Okay. I had an experimental period where, like I grew up only wanting to do music. You know, in school I never like singing, <laughs> songwriting, like yeah, what? Yeah, I okay. wanted to be a recording artist. Gotcha. Well, really, I wanted to be Michael Jackson. Well, then honest. we all. Let's be real. <laughs> hey, you still, I still believe in you. Yeah, you can still oh, be thank my... you. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I started writing, I started playing, and I put out a record, and it was on, you know, it was, like, licensed on shows like The Kardashians and The Real oh, okay, World, cool. stuff like that. But it wasn't, 
I was still figuring out how to write songs and who I was. And really, I just wanted to sing. Mm-hmm. And um, How long ago was this? It was in like 2009, actually, when okay. we cut it and released it. Um, but I recently removed that, you know, from from iTunes and this new album. Uh, actually, after like about three years of hardship, I... I ended up just writing therapeutically. I didn't know if I wanted to do music anymore, but I just wrote because it made me feel better. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, dang, I've got a record, you know? So, yeah. so I, I got there. the musicians. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, it was so organic and natural, which I, I was, you know, hoping for all along. So now I have these songs. I got these musicians. We cut it at House of Blues here in town. And right on. now we're in the process of like getting prepared to release it. So, yeah. Yeah. So, before then, before this sort of like, oh, dang, I have a record therapeutically, <laughs> was it um, when you wrote, was it more just sort of going through the motions of other like kind of emulating other artists? Like, I guess this is how you write songs. And then you sort of found your way into this like, oh, I, I wrote for this other purpose, but it can now serve this purpose. Or what was how what was the sort of uh, your entryway into songwriting, I guess? Um, well, I, I guess a few years ago I started just writing because I didn't know what to do uh, other than music. So I was like, well, these people are writing songs. They want to co-write with me. So I just started doing a bunch of co-writes in Mm. Nashville, then in LA. And I would watch these people and I'd observe these other brilliant writers that have had hits that have been successful. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, you know? And I would learn from them and I'd learn from my fellow artists who I would like go on the road with or just hang with and, um... I admired like the rawness of their writing and I would look at their influences mm-hmm. and I just sat back and I had to like get rid of my ego <clears throat> and uh, and stop writing like bubblegum songs. And my friends, okay. they were like, you've been through so much, like write about it. People need yeah. to hear that. And uh, like I had a, I was putting on like a, this mask, you know, and, and uh, so I would just, I learned from other people and then I would. I started listening to Bob Dylan a lot more and I started listening to Fleetwood Mac like crazy. I ended up going to their show here in Nashville yeah. and my mind was blown. And um, I, I learned from, from other artists, from my friends who are artists and other songwriters. And then it's almost like the shell was broken and I was just, while I'm like crying over my piano, I'm just singing and, and I'm recording it on my phone and I was like, wow, like this is cool. And I, I found this like new person inside of me Mm. like i i could see myself differently and i i it was like i was sure who that person was that was writing those songs and then you know that's separate from who i am in my my day-to-day life Mm -hmm. and so after that i just started to tap into that that person that songwriting personality I'm a gypsy lover, so I stole your heart away Honey, wanna be all yours until my dying day I put on the charm with a dance that made you swoon You were like a howling wolf calling to the gypsy lover so i had to set you free you were in my arms because of trickery as i sang for you my melody would pull you in i was like a mermaid hoping you would take a swim was it It totally makes sense because, and once you break that shell, it's almost impossible to even go back and mm-hmm. almost painful to listen to the stuff you wrote before it because yes. you know it really is like you go through this. It's like Alice in Wonderland when she walks through that small door and then grows big. Like you can't, she can't fit back through it. So it's sort of like, oh, I've I've gone through all this stuff. It would be, you know, it, there's it's only upward and onward at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, what? So you, you you skip past a lot. I'm so interested now because you, you talked about going on, on the road and going to L.A. for co-writes. What, what's sort of your 
the first time you sort of were like, I'm going to do music, I'm going to write songs, I'm going to perform them publicly, all that. What was sort of your first entryway into uh, into that world? Like, how did you get these these opportunities and stuff? Was it just putting yourself out there? Did you know people, friends, or how did that come to be? Um. Well, I love to make friends and I talk to strangers a lot, which has been a good and bad thing in my life. I love it, yeah. How are <laughs> so, you going to learn about people if you can't talk exactly, to them? Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, I, I mean, I guess some of the people, you know, I met through uh, the company I was working with on my first album, mm. like as a production company. And then we there was a bunch of artists that worked with those three guys and we all became a family. So, some of those people are the ones that I travel with and learn from and became friends with and admired and... And then for songwriting, I would just like, I guess I'd go to songwriting, uh, sh- like shows, songwriter nights. Okay, like writer rounds and that yeah. kind of thing. And I, people would hear me sing somewhere and they say, come play this writer's night. So I'd meet another writer and then we'd write. And I'd, Isn't it funny how that happens? Yeah, so it was like, it just kind of started flowing. And, um, and then one writer in particular, you know, we ended up writing a lot and she's very talented and... Uh, and she would bring me in on all her co-writes, which I was so grateful for because she, you know, was connected to some really cool people. And then she would take me to L.A. And we would write with all these amazing people. And I was just so excited, you just know. Just in awe. Like, yeah. Because yeah. I'm like, I'm in L.A. for the first I time. Know. All these people. Or second time. All these people are so cool and so talented. And uh, and after that, I had caught the bug. And I thought, you know, I could just be a songwriter. And uh, I actually moved there in 2013. And I just wrote like crazy. And uh, mostly like pop songs for like uh, girl groups. Oh, for real? And uh, but the only song that I ended up getting cut was a song called uh, "Sunlight in Hungary." Really? <laughs> and it was uh, it's a single in Hungary, but you know it was fun writing, and I wrote with a uh, a Parisian and a guy from Hungary, and they said I write the English words. What are English cliches? <laughs> you know. That's all it takes to write. Yeah. To write pop music is like let's let's get a bunch of cliches. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure it's in English. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and it's, it's a hit. Yeah, exactly. And it was cool. I mean, that was a proud moment for me. And sure. I mean, I wrote for other independent artists and, and just explored that world, but I couldn't take LA. You know, I left after like six months, really. Really? I was like, I'm living here forever. I, I love it. And it's cool. I love it. Every LA. time I visit, I'm like, I'm never leaving. Yeah. Yeah. But like tra- traffic was terrible and, and I yeah. miss Nashville. The living situation here is in, is a lot more comfortable. I mean, it depends on who you are, clearly. But, I mean, aside from the growing traffic situation that we te- seem to have now, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's much better than it. I think it's still better than L.A.'s. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, I think it because a lot of people who live there are sort of like they can only create there or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think it just sort of depends on what your preference and, you know, and location yeah. is. But it's interesting that because there are a lot of creative people there. But, you know, if you aren't sort of used to that environment it can kind of seem stagnant or mm-hmm. lonely even yeah. oh yeah I so, lived in that world something you kind of touched on which is which i a lot of people that listen to this podcast are sort of aspiring artists and songwriters and stuff and is the thing that i try to tell people all the time is like, you got these opportunities because you showed up mm-hmm. like you actually went out mm-hmm. and actually play these writers rounds it, it might have been easier to stay home and yeah. not go out and play these things. Uh-huh. But it's so important to, you know, I tell people, you know, work on your songs and stuff like that. But, like, it's so important. to You have to, at some point, whether it's quote-unquote perfect or not, get up there and perform. And somebody will see something in you and ask you to do another thing, which leads to another thing. I love tracing back artists and songwriters, their sort of story or their career, because they'll be like, oh, I didn't know. I just took the leap of faith to show up at this gig or show up at this thing or went on this tour where I didn't know anybody. And then at the end I got this thing, I can, you know, it, mm-hmm. you have to show up. Yeah, absolutely. There's no point really like, you know, in, unless you just want to be a guy who just sits in his house all day and writes songs, mm-hmm. you know, at this point you could just post them on YouTube and yeah. yeah, I don't know if you could have a career out of that, but you could definitely have, you know, that could be an outlet, I guess. Yeah. But when I was starting, there was no YouTube and you just, you know, could be the sad guy sitting on 20 songs in your house mm-hmm. or actually get out and try to connect with right. people. And there's you can learn from that, which is, I think, the benefit of getting out of the house. I mean, I'm, I'm getting to the point where I only want to write on my own for my, my material, but yeah. I, before, I needed those people so I could learn. Sure. I had no idea that I was like a, I hate to say a dull writer, but there was like no spice to my, right. my writing, no truth. So. Well, it's important to get out and write with other people and sort of meet other musicians because mm-hmm. you do. 
you can learn all you want from you know, you can sit down and listen to the entire Beatles catalog and learn a lot. But when you really get around other people who are sort of at your level or maybe a little bit above that are actually, and then you watch them do it. Like you said, when you were in LA, like you watch them do it, your brain just is a sponge and connects to all that stuff more than if you're just like, I wonder how John Lennon played that guitar. You know, it's a a lot easier. Uh You know, it's a lot more effective. Maybe you're, you said, uh, and feel free to say, I don't want to talk about it, but like what sort of trauma or whatever were you going through that you sort of worked? out through song do you mind talking about it I a little bit I don't mind and you know honestly I think this might be the first time I'm really talking about Ooh. it like uh publicly right because I I decided like when I wrote these I thought you know people can just figure it out yeah of course but you know when I started working on like marketing and really looking into like who I want to be as an artist I I reached into my heart and I thought I was so depressed and hopeless and I thought writing these songs pulled me out of it literally it did like it was a miracle and if it did that for me and if i also listen to other songwriters if their music helped me i can help other people yeah and so you know i've decided like you know i've told people here and there you know like in meetings and such but i've decided i'm going to be open about you know the things that have happened to me some of it was depression from bullying like mm-hmm. out in la actually with like other songwriters oh wow and it was, um, and it was like severe bullying, not physical, um, like slander kind of stuff. And, uh, and I lost a lot of opportunities and I ended up going into a depression from that. And that's like what, what like people spreading rumors or just being yeah, just like like really, competitive and they, uh, nasty. I got there and I went out and I just met people and I started to get a ton of opportunities and like my fellow songwriters, uh, one of them in particular said, you just got here. How have you met all these people that I took a mm. lifetime to meet? You know, and I felt, classic yeah, pure jealousy. Yeah, and I yeah. felt a sting like when he said it, and I thought, oh, it's fine. And then I start getting calls that I'm like doing all of these like things, some illegal, like bad stuff. Oh, and I and I uh, and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe I was getting bullied like that. And uh, so I I left. And it's all cleared up now. Everyone's come around. It's like, hey, how you doing? Like, I'm, you know, it's it's yeah. it's sad that that happens. And then um, and then I had, after that, an ex- I had some health issues, and then I actually dealt with like some, uh, sexual abuse, and um, and from that, you know, everything just kind of fell on on onto me, like crushed me. And there were little things here and there, you know just different people in my life that had become sick and it was just mm. too much to handle all at once, all of these things. And I, um, and one of my songs on my record, I say, uh, I run to the mountain. I think it's mountain. I changed it to mountain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, far North. And, and I had become completely alone. I had become so depressed that I thought there's no way I can ever speak to anyone ever again because I don't have it in me. Mm. Like I hid in my grandparents' house. Like it's like a, a beautiful cottage like slash California style mm-hmm. house in the woods and the wind there's big windows and there's like all trees and squirrels and just like it's deep in there for me you know yeah. away from everything and I it uh, sounds great actually. it's amazing I love <laughs> it, it sounds pretty great and luckily for me they had a grand piano Perfect. you know and I but I sat there and I was just I was just nothing I just cried and I was sad and I thought, like, what is my life from here? Yeah. You know, and I have no idea what I'm going to do. And uh, because everything had just affected me so much that I that I had to, um, like, I had to s- do something. So I started, like, get it out. Yeah. And I just started writing. And, um, and I had played, like, while building up to the complete crash of, like, depression, I had played... Um, a couple shows, one at Exodin, actually. And I remember, like, something had happened, like, the day before at Exodin. And, uh, like, one of the incidents is where I was, like, sexually abused. Oh, and, my gosh. But I couldn't say anything to anyone. But if I, if you watch, like, the video I have of it, I just, like, my eyes, I'm Ugh. just sunken in, you know? But, but I ended up singing, like, these songs, and they felt so real to me at that point like I was feeling that raw emotion and I was thinking like like I was think I think that's maybe when it sparked that I can write about these things and and but after that show it's like I I attempted I was attempting to keep playing and and living but after that I just kind of escaped and Mm -hmm. slowly 
Well, not slowly. I pretty much just noticed I've been to uh into that like sadness. But uh Yeah. But I started writing uh slowly and then oh I'm well, also I was gonna say at that show I remember I kept telling people I'm gonna write an album I, I have an album coming out but I didn't I didn't have anything planned but people were asking and I'm and so I think in that sadness I'm thinking like well I have to do, you know this is a way to do it I have to mm -hmm. write an album I've been promising it and and it would get me out of this hopefully and it did looking up at a pale pink sky it's telling me I'm gonna be all right I'm gonna be all right Say hello to my Mr. Moon Like nature I will be renewed I will be renewed I feel your covering Helping me to And that's so hard. Thank you for talking about that. First off, and that, but that really is true. Like I have, in my own life, multiple times been like written in this intensely personal song where I'm like, mm -hmm. this is so raw, and I feel like you can see straight through me when you hear it. I could never release it. And then I had a very wise friend or a producer or somebody to be like, I think this needs to be on the album. Mm -hmm. And then I did it, and then it ends up being one of those like we're, you know the mo it's the song the most people contact me and say thank you for this or like i didn't know other people felt this way I did, you made me feel less alone or whatever and i feel like that's gonna be all these songs that you've written you will see that happen and it will just like shining a light in the in in our own darkness helps sort of us to heal but also others to heal which is the beauty of just being on planet earth and mm. and connecting with people which yeah. is the most powerful tool that music and art in general mm -hmm. you know it, it can can be and so i feel like that's amazing you could so much so easily just hidden inside or run away or gone down the road of depression when you and but you turned it around it seems like and it seems like you're coming out of it and you you know, you don't, I mean, I've only known you for a little, you know, a few minutes, but you don't seem like the kind of person that's, that, uh, sort of takes it and, and just says, you know, I'm sorry, you know, I'll go away now. Like you're, you are, you, you seem very strong. And it's like, you have this light inside of you that can't be sort of squelched out, you know? Thank you. So I'm so, so thankful that you did that. And I'm sure many people will be as well. Yeah, I, I, I know it's going to be a painful decision too, to be like, I'm going to, put this out yeah, there now it is i mean when i wrote it i remember thinking like there is no way i will ever release this one song in particular uh that is my very favorite on the album mm. and i i remember writing it and uh and i thought yeah absolutely no way but i kept playing like the voice memo from my phone to yeah. myself and i was like god this is so cool this is so cool yeah. i'm feeling it and then i started playing it for some friends and they were like you have to cut that and i was like, that's the ah, first step yeah <laughs> you play it for another person they're gonna be you know uh -huh. they're gonna hear the greatness in it and encourage you and then another person will and then mm -hmm. before you know it it's on the radio and uh, yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it's gosh and i'm I think I just, for me, I'm one of those people, it's like I just jump and I do it and hope for the best. Not in every situation, but in situations like this, you know, I just, I did it. And then I remember like when I cut the, I recorded the work tape and it was so awkward because, I mean, it's the song I was telling you about that I love. It's it's about like the sexual abuse and I remember playing it for my dad. I was like, this is so awkward, but this is a song about sexual abuse and uh, and it's real and it's, and he was like, you know, so proud of me. And he said, you're going to help so many women. And I had other, like the other musicians that played for me, they're like older guys that I yeah. respect. And they were like, this is really noble, you know? And I had girlfriends start saying that when I played it live, but I remember like, that's great. Yeah. Like the, thank you. The leap to like make the demo, to show my dad, to say, we're cutting this, to send it to the musicians mm -hmm. and then to cut it. When we cut it at house of blues, I was like, well, that's it. It's done. You know? Ah! And actually I felt a lot better. Like, the the pain it, and the embarrassment is gone, you know. After you you put it on tape like that, mm -hmm. you know, and even like playing it live now. I remember I was just so proud to play it, and the women in the audience were afterwards yeah. were like, "Thank you." Well, it's a badge. At that point, it's a badge of honor. Like you just, it's just sort of like, 
like I'm not going to be a victim. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, all these things that go along with, with, with any sort of abuse, but specifically sexual abuse, like just speaking out about it is mm-hmm. like the best defense because it, it makes it aware and people sort of hopefully them. That's why when people get annoyed with it, like, we get it. Why are we doing all this awareness mm-hmm. for, you know, everything from like breast cancer to whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a thing because we are, our human brains forget things. Mm-hmm. And if something is spoken by a lot of people, especially who've gone through something painful like this, it starts seeping into our brains. It's amazing. I was talking with a friend of mine the other day about even the sort of lingo and words and slang that we don't use anymore because the meaning has changed, mm-hmm. you know, and even like, because it's derogative towards, you know, gay people or towards people with mental handicaps, like stuff that not even that long ago we would just casually throw out. We've changed yeah. because enough people have spoken out and saying, mm-hmm. hey, this is actually hurtful yeah. and we need to have more respect for people. Mm-hmm. And this is another instance, too. Like the more we speak out, the more we say, like, this is not OK mm-hmm. or this is I've gone through it and I've survived. And here's like a song that will potentially live on for ages mm-hmm. that has spoken out to this will be like that's a part of the you know, a part of the tapestry that will sort of eventually be like, hey, this isn't cool. And these types of people who sort of attack other people or, or in any way, whether it's bullying or actual attacking sexual abuse or whatever, like this won't stand. And I feel like music is a very powerful part mm. of that. Absolutely. So that was a big speech I just gave. I loved it. You know, it was beautiful. <laughs> no, no, it's great. I think, that but that's really the kind of stuff I think about all the time. And especially when I'm sort of feeling down in my own career, like, why do I think these dumb songs, why do I keep booking shows? You know, you sort of get into this mm-hmm. sort of self-loathing as an artist. Yeah. Like who cares about, you know, why am I Facebooking about my dumb album again? Mm-hmm. But it, there is a part that's like, you know, that it's hard to say like what I do is important, but like what we do as artists, I believe are important. Mm-hmm. And it's easier to believe in other artists than yourself more often than not. But I think it is important to speak your truth, to really like dive in and be honest and authentic with who you are. And what you've gone through, put that in song that somebody can listen to that's easy to take in. I feel like that's our job and that's really, it, it is important, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I agree. Let's wrap it up. That's yeah. this. No, just <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, I mean, it's true. And it's, it's, uh, I didn't realize that before. I mean, I am admitting that I had an ego and I was selfish and I just wanted to be a star and be loved, you know, when I was sure. growing up. Like, that's what did. I thought. Yeah. yeah, I was like, I want to be famous. You're going to be Michael you know? Jackson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and you know, once life hits you hard, you realize. And also, you know, I, I used, I had spiritual healing as well in a lot of different areas. And I realized, like, the world is hurting. And, you know, I've been given a gift to sing and to write. And I've been given the courage to write about it. And so now I don't care about the fame or money or any of that which it's weird that i'm saying that because honestly before asking anybody like my school papers like what do you want to be everyone's like a doctor or nurse famous yeah, you know famous. <laughs> and uh and so now it's totally shifted and it feels amazing yeah you know to and want now to it help. will probably happen but it's the same way in the music business like as soon as you're like you know what my goal is to write really great music that that means something to me and if it means something to other people, then that's just, you know, a cherry mm-hmm. on top. Mm-hmm. And then those types of people, I feel like it tends to happen more. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like stop trying and it's then stuff. natural, stop. yeah. Yeah, true. yeah. So I don't know. There's something really interesting about that sort of cosmic, like, you know, the like if you really try to strangle something and make it like work for me, mm-hmm. you know, it tends to sort of back off. Absolutely. Absolutely. What, um... So is this new album that you're working on now, what, what's sort of the timeline for the release? The release. Well, um... Is it finished? It is. We're finished recording we're, it. Okay. But, uh, actually... That's a, real, that's yeah. a bold statement, because yeah. there are various <laughs> levels of finished. Exactly. And, you know, I've been mixing it for a while now, but I've been... I haven't been in Nashville. I've been all over the place. Like, I just came from Brooklyn. Yeah. And, um... And so... It's been hard to mix it because I haven't been in the studio. But I, I, there was an engineer I worked with in uh, Soho mm-hmm. on three of the songs. And it was so cool at East Side Sound. Um, and Mark Uraselli. I think I hope I'm saying his name Uraselli? right. Uraselli? Oh, I like that sorry, name. Sorry, Mark. Uh, he's, Mark is <laughs> sorry, awesome. Mark. He's Italian. He's brilliant. You know, he showed me the best espresso in Soho. But the plan is release my single, November 1-1. Uh, 
that one, November one, one, first, one. Yes. and then the full album, January eleventh, one dot one one, which I realize is a huge time gap, but no, I like to have good. the yeah. time to prepare it, you know. And that's coming up. That's really not that it far goes away. Fast, yeah. So, but the single, uh, I decided to do a single. Just I wasn't going to, but um, some great people gave me, you know, wonderful advice saying a single will help, you know bring attention to the record and the single i'm very excited and proud about it's um a a song i co-wrote with charlie mccoy and uh charlie used to play with my grandpa a lot oh wow charlie also played like charlie's like an icon he's in the hall of fame right now being honored is like the nashville cats yeah nashville cats yeah and um and i met charlie at my church and we were in the worship band together, and uh, eventually, you know, we all became friends. My family, and Charlie's Charlie and his wife um, Pat, and uh, Charlie asked my dad and I and some other people we knew to play on his latest studio album. Mm-hmm. So Charlie and I co-wrote a duet um, called "Going to America," which is on his website and on iTunes now, and it's on his album "Celtic Dreams." Yeah, and it's like a story, and it's beautiful about a father and daughter going to America. And uh, and I love it so much because it's got this like Broadway vibe. Yeah. And I actually love musical theater. Really. And uh, and on okay. Anyways, that rabbit trail. We wrote that song, and then um, we decided to write another one uh, for my record. And I he came over, and I I said, Charlie, I can't stop listening to Manish Boy, Muddy Waters, and I like blasted it on my speakers, and I was like making him his coffee, and I was like. I want to write a duet with you because he's um, known for his harmonica playing, oh, among okay. many other things. But he has like harmonica albums, and uh, and uh, he, and so I said, you know, Little Walter Muddy Waters, they'd, they're on the mic, you know, harmonica mm-hmm, singing mm-hmm. harmonica, and I was like, I love it so much, and it's just so raw and so beautiful, and and uh, and I said, let's write that a song like that, and uh, so we sat down and we wrote um, a song called Ratting You Out about um a situation where i was sexually abused mm-hmm. and um and it's got you know the wah, 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 on the harmonica really? and then i'm singing my part you know and and my dad's playing guitar and we cut it live at house of blues studios oh that's great and the band is ridiculous of course they are oh i can't believe it <laughs> i'm so happy and um and i'm so proud because i wrote this song and recorded a uh i can't say duet i guess but it's sort of collaboration is. yeah because my dad has a killer guitar solo on it and charlie has this oh, amazing harmonica solo yeah. and um and they're both playing throughout and uh and so we're i'm going on a rant no i love it but we anyways this that's gonna be the <laughs> single yeah and i'm so proud of it and uh that'll be out in november nice so. i feel like this podcast could be called rabbit trails by the way <laughs> You're you're fitting right in. Good. Like that's basically all it is. Oh good. Uh, it's just being like, wait, what was I saying? Yeah. I don't even know how many, how many times I've edited out just be, me sitting there for thirty seconds, being like, what was my point? That's What would you say sort of your, what I call Mount Rushmore of influences are, especially on this record? Mm-hmm. Is it more sort of, because you have a great voice that could easily slide into many different sort of genres or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I don't really like to put labels on it, but like, do you have, you have like sort of a soulful thing to your voice? Like, is it more, and you mentioned like Muddy Waters and like mm-hmm. blues, is it kind of like that? Or well, what's sort of the vibe of the record? Um, 
Well, yeah, that is a loaded question. Only because <laughs> it's so hard to answer. Yeah, I know it is, but I like that you said you don't like to put labels. You know, because no. I, I like to. I don't like labels, but I also like to explain it so that people can understand like, sure. who I am. Um, I have so many influences, and um, and I and I, you know, I was influenced. That was like a blues song, and then I. I was influenced by like uh, Parliament on one of the songs. Nice. So I have like a funk song, but it doesn't have all the funk noises right. and such. I mean, it has a little synthesizer. Um, but you know, I love like, I love Broadway. I love soul music. And I love rock and roll. And, uh, and I'm a soul singer. Yeah. So, you know, it's all very soulful, the whole record. I'm doing a lot of ad libs and Good. singing from my soul. Yeah, the album is, it's very soulful and, uh, and it's got all of my influences. Like earlier I said Fleetwood Mac. That's a big yeah. influence. Like I've got a song called Gypsy Lover, you know. Which that's already sounds like. Influenced yeah. by Fleetwood Mac. And, uh, you know, but I, like I said, I love Broadway. And one of my songs, um, the one I was saying is my favorite. It's called Sirena, which mm -hmm. is uh, the, I believe, the gypsy name for a seductress. Okay. And But it's like, it's got this like Spanish guitar, like rock feel, but it, well, no, I shouldn't say rock. It's actually more like Broadway, mm -hmm. but it's not like a big Broadway number or anything. But like I was influenced by Queen. And so that's yes. where I get that theatrical. Yeah, vibe. they are very theatrical. So it's like, yeah. and I love Queen. I love, I Queen, love Queen so, so much. much. Yeah. And they've got the theater thing. They've got the rock and roll thing, you know, and I go weak for like a good guitar solo. It's just like my favorite. And so I threw all of that in, like lots of guitar solos, uh, lots of soulful vocals and, um, and then the Beatles are yeah. a massive influence. And so I tried to do some crazy chord progressions and like really weird lyrics, you know? And so I just tried to throw in all of that stuff and stir it up and, and see what comes out. But, you know, I've, I've been singing for so long. I was a classical vocalist. I went to college for a semester for jazz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, uh, in parentheses, and, semester. For exactly. <laughs> I know. I can't say I went to college, really. <laughs> but I, I love singing. I loved yeah. singing Broadway. So... You know, I've had. Did like, you ever do theater? I as a as a high schooler, yeah. Or yeah. as growing up, you know, I was in plays. I remember I was the mother abbess my senior year, and like it was like my big moment. Like you know, the curtains close and they're all standing yeah. and cheering, and I was like crying, like this is so cool. This is the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and after that, you know, I I think I was in. I attempted some community theater. Like maybe I was in high school and I did that. But it wasn't, I never felt like I was a good actress. And, you know, I really just wanted to sing. So, yeah. uh, but I, I think I embrace the fact that I'm all over the place. And people have said that that's actually a good thing. You know, even though like different people in the industry have said you have to stick to one sound. I've tried really yeah. hard. Like I'm telling you, I have worked really hard at that. And it is not possible for me because I love so many different styles. Well, you shouldn't and, put a cap on sort yeah. of where your creativity needs to go. Yeah. I mean, to a certain extent, I don't know, but then there's people that's sort of the industry standard, but then there's people that like will break through and sort of change the game, like Adele or somebody mm -hmm. who combines all these influences. Mm -hmm. And they're like, wait, I was trying to do, why'd you tell me I couldn't do exactly. that? She just did it. You know? Yeah. So like, I feel like people just need to do what they feel like they need to mm -hmm. do, you know, and not worry about like, quote unquote, what's selling now or yeah. whatever. Yeah, so I think it's great I, that you're combining you. all these influences because that means that this record will be, undeniably you mm -hmm. which is what you want in the end you're gonna have to live with this record more than anybody else years mm -hmm. down the line you want to look back and be like i did what i wanted to do yeah you talk a little bit about this but uh i'd love to hear you your take on it a little bit more you you, were, you talked a little bit about how you uh or you brushed on how difficult it is sort of for females in the industry mm -hmm. a little bit um have you really found that that it's that's is it hard to be taken seriously? Have you found sort of in the studio sessions? A lot of studio settings and stuff are are very like male driven. Yes. And so I guess I can see sort of how it's it would be hard to be taken seriously, or or if you have an opinion on where a song should go, mm. that it's sort of like taken with you know like okay, well she's talking again. Has that been your experience? It has, and I will say I can't blame it completely on the gentleman. I mean, part of it has been me because I was a people pleaser and very weak and so and confused about what I wanted. Right. And so if they would, you know, dominate the conversation or the session, I would just let it happen because I didn't know how to fight it, you know, because yeah. I didn't know what I that wanted. Makes, that makes sense. Yeah. And so that is part of it. But at the same time, I guess I did know in my gut, but I was afraid to admit it. And uh, 
but there have been times like for me it's tough for women in the industry for me personally for two reasons one is you know they see me come in i might have high heels and makeup on and they think like oh she's a ditch she doesn't know anything yeah. sure she can sing but let's take care we'll do all the rest of the work yeah Don't worry, sweetheart. who's the you know, diva over this. here yeah. yeah we'll get you your water you yeah just <laughs> i know and and like i i actually made sure that i like i wanted to produce this record now there are a lot of other people like the musicians engineers they helped produce for sure mm -hmm. but you know i wanted to say i am a strong businesswoman i'm putting this out on my own and i'm working really hard yeah and i this is me and i produced it and i i came up with this you know so that's that is something that i'm passionate about you know and it was a mixture of me having the courage and a mixture of you know me being respected and there's been situations like i remember i played this one show and I, it was like a few bands and I booked the show, I booked the bands and I was the only woman and I literally did the whole thing, but I was, nobody like came to me for questions. They were going to other people. Nobody mm -hmm. respected me. My name wasn't really mentioned that much like in the press stuff and I'm in like announcements and I'm, I was so mad and I'm so hurt and I was like, this is unacceptable, you know? Yeah. And, um, and then on the other side of it, when I was in LA, but also a little bit in different places, um, to be a woman uh, in the industry, a woman who likes to, you know, I like to dress nice mm -hmm. or dress as a, a fem like feminine, you sure. know, um, they, men, uh, which this is very common, think that they can sleep with you or Take hit on you. Take that as an invitation. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, well, I'll make you famous, but like, you know, you have to whatever sleep with me kiss me flirt right. with me go to dinner and i've i've i mean you have I'm to like, wine and dine to get yeah, to that next and level it's disgusting i've had men you know put their hands on my knee during a meeting and i and i immediately was like excuse, excuse me? me yeah and i you know i'll say to these i have one guy he said i want he was doing all these things for me uh -huh. i want to be my manager i'm like on a rant here and he no, said um <laughs> i'm getting heated yeah he said uh he said he did all this stuff for me and then he said but i won't be your manager unless you're my girlfriend whoa and i was like that just happened you know wait I, this is like what <laughs> what year is this 1960 what I, is it's this crazy and i said i said um i'm sorry i just don't work that way did he outright say that to your face outright that is it. some balls and i said i don't i don't do that yet and you know i've had other men like they're like you're so beautiful i think we can go to the top together and i'm like Ugh. what does that mean the top of what sir yeah exactly. i need you to clarify what the top of means <laughs> i know because i think i know what you mean yeah <laughs> seriously <laughs> and i mean it was just these men, I don't know how they feel like they yeah. can do it. It's sleazy, you know, but I walk away, you know, I just, I, that, I don't do reality shows for that reason. You know, I don't, I don't plan on signing a deal where I lose my rights for that reason. Like I am grassroots. Yeah. This is my heart. This is my everything. As I mentioned, music is my, my, yeah. literally my everything. And I, I'm not going to sell out. I'm not going to throw that away because how will I, it's taking it's like taking your child or your soulmate my music and and saying like and, and cheating on them or hurting them yeah. you know what i'm saying or selling it short or just yeah. saying like it makes it it cheapens all of it it does and i couldn't live with myself there's no way i could live with myself if i ever allowed any of that to happen and and i've heard terrible stories of women that dealt with that in la yeah. you know i'm becoming like I don't want to use the word feminist, but I'm getting close. Like, listen, a, feminist is a buzzword right now, but yeah. it, it's for a good reason. Like, yeah, and exactly. all, the, and it doesn't mean that women are better than men. It literally means that we are the same, uh -huh. and we should be treated. You know, women should be treated the same way with same respect as men are given. Yeah, equal pay, all this stuff, yeah. which is all really good. It's insane that it's 2015 and we're still uh -huh. fighting that battle. It is. It's, it's bonkers. And so I, I feminist is feminism or whatever is a very like buzzy word right now, mm -hmm. but for good reason. And like any women that are sort of big in the industry that speak up are sort of seen as like annoying, like Amy mm -hmm. Schumer or even like, you know, Tina Fey or these people yeah. who speak up about it, who aren't afraid to, you know, they're sort of like, Oh, like, you know, or even Taylor Swift, they're just sort of like, okay, we get it. They're doing their thing. You know, mm -hmm. men are that way, that way. And I'm like, no, don't dismiss it because it's here to stay. This mm -hmm. is one of those things that is, is going to be spoken up enough about mm -hmm. to where if anybody says anything masochistic or, or, or masochistic or puts yeah. their hand on your knee, mm -hmm. everybody in the room will be like, whoa, yeah. not, it's, it's like they, you know, drop the N word or something. Uh -huh. it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you, get yeah. out of here, you monster. And they'll never yeah. work again. But, but we aren't there yet, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. That really sickens me to hear that. And I know that stuff happens. It's probably... 
I am not in the circles of music in this town or whatever where that will happen. And I know, but I've heard stories of that, especially my friends that are pursuing acting mm-hmm. or uh, stage or screen. Like they both like sort of they're those people who are in the industry to to get laid. Yeah. And they're like, hey, yeah. I, I can help you out, honey, uh-huh. which is so gross, especially. Be- so gross. I mean, it's it's so gross because these are it's taking advantage of clearly people who just have these pure dreams mm-hmm. where they just want to be heard and they just want to perform, yeah. which is so sweet and pure and like was clear, you know, for us anyway, it's been an, in us since the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, in a way, I don't know. It's like taking, for me, it's like taking advantage of a child because mm-hmm. I, when I play music, I feel as free as I did when I was a kid. Uh, you know, I feel yes. that like nothing can touch me. I feel, yeah. you know, just free and who I am. And if you take advantage of that for monetary gain or mm-hmm. sexual gain or whatever, yeah. it's so tainted and gross it's so gross i like the word gross for that it's just so gross it's so gross and and yeah i mean i'm i'm getting to that point where i'm going to speak out and and speak for women and also speak for men in the areas where i you know like there are men that are men are good yeah oh they are no (laughs) you're right you're right yeah as a white male i'm 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 proud to say like we're good we've had it good for a long time it's true i mean well yeah women i mean I do want to change things. I think that this is an opportunity. If I can have the platform and write the songs, I'm going to speak up. And I've, you know, I've had that shift where it's like, now I just don't care about what I say. Like, it's how I feel. And I think things should change. Yeah, absolutely. You know, especially experiencing it, you know. And so it's almost, it's it's exciting. I'm going to battle, you know, yeah. for women, hopefully. No, that's yeah. great. And I feel, I like that you are not afraid to say it that way. Because it is true, like, you know, and we can sort of, because you will have a million people, you know, naysayers or whatever saying like, who are you to say anything? And that can get in your own head. Like, who am I to speak? I, you know, I don't have that big of a platform. Mm-hmm. If you have any platform at all, mm-hmm. even this podcast, like mm-hmm. somebody hopefully will hear hear it and be like, you know what? I'm going to do that too. Like, you're right. This does this does need to change or whatever it is. Yeah. This has been a very soapboxy episode. I kind of love it. <laughs> I feel like it's time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, there's too much like shooting the breeze with my friends. This is really mm-hmm. good. Uh, but, uh we are, I always do sort of a little lightning round at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not very lightning at all, because if you give an answer, I'll probably want to ask more questions about <laughs> it. But they are very non-sequitur questions. Uh, do you have a, so you mentioned a little bit of your like musical influences earlier. Uh, do you have a, a sort of major or surprising non-musical influence that something that Probably. something that that whether it's you know it can be other artistic stuff like movies or or something or something that you found uh, yeah has influenced your music that isn't specific to sort of other bands you know um well i guess we already talked about emotional influences and sure. just things in the world that you know I'm oh we did talk about that about. this might but, be a hard question yeah. to re-answer this is okay. i've got some other things i am i uh I love movies. I watch a lot of movies and I watch them on repeat. And I, after I watch a movie, I actually go and write a song. Like, oh, I'm that's so awesome. inspired by movies. So that's actually a huge influence of mine. Um, Moulin that's, Rouge. You're in the right place because yeah, if, if you look that, around, yeah. I've sort of d- dumbed, uh-huh. dialed it down, but I could, I could just have this place splatter because I'm a humongous movie buff. Really? So, I, yeah. I, I, I notice that and I love it. I mean, movies are magical. Yeah. And uh, Moulin Rouge is one that I have watched. So good. An unhealthy amount of times, <laughs> like super unhealthy. And That uh, makes sense because it's musical, but it also has the theatrical uh-huh. element. Yeah. And for me too, I'm very visual and the costumes and the setting of that film. Gorgeous. Yeah. And they hit me in this like, this place in my my heart where I'm like so emotional and I, and I relate and like I love art. I'm a terrible, I can't paint. I've tried mm-hmm. many times. I am awful but i <laughs> but you can appreciate it exactly i love it i love art so much i'm visual you know so i i stare at a painting and then i'm inspired you know i watch a movie and what makes a movie magical or beautiful to me is the visuals and the music yeah like, i've seen some some movies that people are like that is a worse movie but i'm like i'm i love it i watch it all the time yeah because i'm just focusing on the picture and the music, you know, and uh, and so that's great. I'm inspired by movies. I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I, I had a point in my life where I just watched movies because they were sort of fun and dumb and mm-hmm. I only like comedies and whatever when I was younger. And then I had a roommate who would watch a movie that I was like, what? I don't even know what it was, but he loved it. He loved the way it looked and he loved the mm-hmm. cinematography mm-hmm. and like the way it was shot. Yeah. And he really like helped open my eyes to like, oh, no, you can love 
all different kinds of art for different reasons. You know, mm. I've had friends that, you know, when I thought pop music was dumb and cheesy and had no art value at all, mm. who sort of were like, no, you don't understand. Like, listen to the production right here. Listen to what they did. This is like an art, at, you know, whether it's the actual person whose name is on the CD or the people who sort of helped, you know, in the background, like they're doing something that is really, you know, important and spectacular and, and should be taken mm. notice. Like, I'm sure that, the Moulin Rouge set designer would be stoked to hear that you <laughs> that you love it. Yeah. I, but we were talking about Grand Budapest Hotel. Like that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons. You know, I have friends who will say like they don't like that movie, and I understand because it's a bit odd. Mm -hmm. But I, it's a visual feast. Yes, it is so gorgeous nice. and like mm -hmm. specific, and in a lot of ways, the same as Moulin Rouge. Like mm -hmm. it feels like everything in Moulin Rouge on the set and the costumes, everything is very specific and and meant to be that way, uh -huh. which is gorgeous. Yeah. You know, that somebody took the time to think about every detail that way. Absolutely. I mean, everybody. How do you not be inspired art. by that? Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's so inspiring. That's great. That's a that's a great answer. Um, here's another really important, super. I really need you to think about this. <laughs> uh, a lot of sarcasm in that. Uh, <laughs> set up. What do you associate with the name Keith? Keith? Yes. Richards. Boom. I just okay. went to the Hall of Fame. Oh, well, <laughs> that's all I need to know. I've heard he's in town a little bit. Like, he's been in town. Really? Yeah, he's been spotted around Doesn't town. Doesn't he have, like, a record out or something? I think so. I think he's making the rounds. Mm -hmm. But it was somebody who said, yeah, they ran into Keith Richards the other day. And I was like, I love living here. Yeah. I love, like, like, in a place where like, that happens. Um, oh, here's a good one. Who's your first celebrity crush? Oh, boy. Okay, way back there. <laughs> um... I guess Hanson. Ooh, good one. Zach Hanson. Ooh, Zach specifically. The drummer. Yeah. Because it was me, my sister, and my best friend Stephanie when you we were You divided them up? We had to choose. <laughs> we all had to choose. And my sister was the oldest, and we said, you have to like Isaac. Yeah, you have to like Isaac. <laughs> I it, That's hilarious to me. <laughs> because I remember having friends like or girls in my class doing that with NSYNC or back. Like, uh -huh. you know, yep. we, no, we got to divide them up. Yes. Like, I'm like, it's okay. They don't know you exist. You can like all of them. <laughs> I remember seeing Hanson for the first time on MTV with the Mbop video and not being completely convinced they weren't girls. Yeah, that's why I didn't like Taylor Hanson. I said, you can like him because he's, he's a too, girl. He's too pretty. Yeah. He's way too pretty. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was in a, a Starbucks in Tulsa a couple years ago in line behind Isaac Hanson. Really? And I had a little bit of a like, I have a million things I want to say to you right now. <laughs> And what did I yeah. end up saying? Nothing. 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 Oh. I was just like, I'm just going to have to live in this moment. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm going to put you in a scenario and you mm -hmm. tell me what, what, what you would do in the scenario. Um, so let's say you're at a Target parking lot. Everybody who's listening knows where I'm going with this. Mm -hmm. uh, and you see somebody pull up. They, there's a parking spot. They pull up and they back into that spot, holding out the line or whatever mm -hmm. to back into it just to go into the store. Is this annoying to you? Or are you thinking like, oh, they're pretty smart? I'm thinking, yeah, they're pretty smart. I wish I could do that. Really? Yeah, like I would be envious because I'm I'm uh, not a good driver. Oh, okay. So I've heard. I think I'm great. I just drove for the first time in New York, uh -huh. which I was terrified. And I, and I cried for a little bit at the beginning and listened to gangster rap to get my courage. <laughs> and after like five minutes, I was like, yeah. You know, I'm soaring yeah. on the LIE. So. It feels really good. It feels really good. <laughs> I've I've driven in New York the last few times, and I always regret it when I'm in the middle of it. But when I'm done, you feel like a champ. Yes. Yeah. I was listening to jazz. Like I listen to like Miles Davis or something, or like cool. Charlie Parker when I do it because it mm -hmm. helps calm me. That's smart. And then it also sort of makes the city feel like a movie, like a Woody Ooh. Allen movie. <laughs> oh, nice Woody Allen. But. Yeah. Uh, no, so that's interesting because I get really annoyed when people back into parking spots. Really, it's a pet, it's a huge pet peeve of mine. <laughs> but everybody I've asked have said no. That's they'll get out of there faster, and I'm like, yeah. but it's the same amount of time because if they pull into it, they uh -huh. still have to back out to get out. But it, I don't know. I have a lot of opinion. I have a lot of parking lot opinions. <laughs> parking lot etiquette, clearly. Uh, well, we were talking about movies earlier. This is one of my favorites. What movie or TV show do you quote most frequently in your everyday life? Do you have some okay. go-tos? Yes, but it depends on the person. Okay. Um, actually, last night, my sister and I were quoting Kung Pao. Do you know Kung yes, Pao? Yes, of course. We quoted it. We were working on my bio, and she said, uh, just throwing out a Kung Pao quotes like, uh, mm, Betty, or, <laughs> or yeah. uh, uh, I have a wound there, like right in the center for no reason. For no reason. <laughs> and then... Uh, Shoot, I don't know. And I, with my friend Emily, my best friend Emily, I quote Family Guy. It's so good. And uh, 
you know, I'm drawing a blank, but I'm sure there are other movies. I, I know, it's hard to think of I when you're quote, put on the spot. I used to quote Sex and the City a lot when I was uh-huh. younger. And uh, and those are the only ones I can think of. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love those. There's some that, like, I don't, the, I mostly when I'm with my family, because I've known them the longest, like mm-hmm. you said with your sister, like, you'll just, it's, and it's always something that from like years ago yeah. that I might not even have seen in a long time. But it just is, yeah, it's so silly. I, I love that. I love those sort of, you know, touchstones or touch points that we have with people mm-hmm. like that. Where, where, like, you know, I still have that a text chain with friends where we'll just text each other out of nowhere. And, and I'll get it. Like, my phone will just go off in the middle of a show or a middle of working or whatever. And, and it just makes me happy. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Those are great. Okay. Here's here. I have three more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I promise we're ending this soon. Uh, what? What's the most trouble you got into as a kid? Oh, boy. Well, I have to keep some of those a secret. <laughs> What's but... one that you can share? <laughs> have you ever shoplifted? We can talk about that. No, I never shoplifted. Okay. That actually terrifies me. <laughs> My sister did when she was three. That's not really shoplifting. <laughs> it's a family Kids story. Kids think everything's free. They do. It was It was so cute. My dad said, uh, you have to go back. It was a corner market in Bellevue. He said, you have to go back and tell her that you stole, and maybe she won't call the police. And my oh, sister no. was like, ah. I don't but, want to go um, back. Yeah, terrified her. When I'll see. Okay, I had one before that. Oh, I met a boy in the Bellevue Mall when I worked there. Uh huh. Um, and he was from like west, the west part, west net, like Kingston Springs or mm-hmm. uh, like yeah. Dixon. Or yeah, Dixon. Like I think he's from Dixon. And um, and one of my friends was with me, and I won't say her name. She knows who she is, but <laughs> I want to be her. Um, and I always drug her around to all of my uh, my my uh. At devious acts my my skin. yeah you need a partner in crime yeah i yeah. did i pulled her along and i feel terrible but we have good memories and uh not that i was a terrible kid but i did some wild things we all and, did and uh and i remember we we went to sonic and met up with these boys and uh didn't tell my mom and uh you know they were strangers we just met him how old are we talking uh, here Freshman or sophomore in high school. Okay. And we, uh, which How is did you fine. meet him? Uh, I met. The internet? Met when I, <laughs> one of them I did at one point, and that was an embarrassing story. Yeah. But I was, when I worked at the Bellevue Mall, I think I met him. Oh, okay. We were walking out uh, from the Bellevue Mall, and my shift was over, I think. Or maybe we were just there together. And um, we were with one of my other guy, our guy friends, and this gorgeous guy walks by. And, uh, and I put on the charm, and I was I was such a flirt in high school, such a flirt. And I and I started um, to like talk to him, and I got his number, and he texted, and he's like, "Meet us at Sonic." So he was with his friends, and and uh, and the guy friend was really nervous, and he went and told our other guy friend, and then they went to my house, and they said, "We don't know where Betsy is, but we're really worried about her. She met this guy at the mall today, and um, oh, no. with her friend and." And uh, ratted you out. Yeah, ratted me out exactly. And we get home. They drop us off because I didn't get my driver's license till I was like eighteen, and she mm-hmm. was like not far behind. And uh, and so they drove us there and drove us back, which is what you know made our guy friends so nervous. Yeah. And we we walk in, and my mom is in like the swivel chair in my dad's office, and just slowly turns around and looks at like us like an evil villain. Yeah, and she goes girls where have you been and my friend was like i need to go home i hear my mom calling yeah and i mean we still laugh about that because and it wasn't it wasn't like that bad but it was so terrifying Mm. and we felt so guilty that like it lives with us oh yeah you know because we ran away we didn't say anything we got in a car with this like guy from like dixon or something you know that we met in a mall and who knows what would happen that was so stupid i got into so many cars with people i didn't know when i was a teenager (laughs) just like oh he has a car he must be cool (laughs) they wouldn't sell a car to somebody who was dangerous yeah (laughs) clearly not (laughs) like teenage logic is so ridiculous Uh yeah uh, I was in the podcast by asking the guests to share a particularly, uh, well, a bad show story mm. or an embarrassing moment on stage or something, you know, we built you up a lot in this episode. I want to bring you down to earth to <laughs> yeah. our level, nice. to the human level, Betsy. So oh, do, you ha- do you have one, like one that sticks out when somebody asks you, like, what's the worst show you've ever played? That's, that's hard. Cause I feel like i I'm so hard on myself in my shows. Like if I would mess up on a lyric uh, oh, oh course, well, this yeah. moment is bad. Now, this is anything that happens to a lot of artists, but I remember I, uh, it was a song. <laughs> I gave this huge, like, beautiful speech about meaning behind this song, and it was like a co-write, and 
and I ex- I actually explained like I, w- I didn't the way I explained it had nothing to do with the song mm-hmm. and I had been doing that for a lot of shows and didn't realize that I had been explaining it wrong it's a song I wrote with these two guys in LA and it's actually it was written for an artist who uh, was afraid to come out of the closet and a female and they said this is this artist she wants to come out of the closet and um, you need to write a song about loving yourself inside and out and don't care what people think and I like I remember uh, I explained it in a totally different way every time like like I didn't ever talk about that I always said you know I talked about loving yourself but it, it was totally off and um, I went on this rant and I explained it and then as I'm singing the song and I'm playing it I get to the second verse and I stopped and I just paused in silence like and I was like panicking on the inside and I was like I don't know the lyrics and I have sung this song a million oh, times no. and I'm like I don't remember I'm looking over my dad was playing with me and I was like I don't know it I don't know it and I'm freaking out and this is it's like a large audience was staring at me and I was like oh my gosh I'm dying and then I, I was like oh I remember and I started playing it and then I know I said I'm sorry guys and I start from the beginning and everyone's like it's cool okay. start over I go to the beginning of the song to the first verse in the chorus and I start I just stop at that part again. I can't remember it. Earlier that day, when I was rehearsing, my dad had come up with a funny lyric, uh-huh. like just kind of singing along but trying to be funny. Right. And that was the lyric I messed up because I could only remember like dad, the funny lyric. You put the joke yeah. in there. Now it's in my head. And I couldn't remember it. And I'm I'm like so embarrassed still because it's like I even restarted and I I stopped yeah. again at that same place. And afterwards, I was like, I'm so sorry. Like I had like killed a cat or something. Like I was so ashamed. <laughs> And I, it's like you got into a car from a boy from with a boy from Dixon or something. Right, it's like Gosh, so terrible. So embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I just like stopped and and everyone was like awkwardly like it's okay, it's fine. <laughs> and then I just tried to like sing my heart out on. Do the you other have any songs. other songs that you know all the words yeah. to? That will make this better. It was oh, it's so excruciating. I've done that before, where I've set up an entire song with like a five minute epic story, <laughs> and then couldn't literally couldn't remember one lyric to it. Oh, no. So I had to just be like. Stand up there like an idiot for a second, and then be like, "Well, it's on the CD. I'm gonna move on." <laughs> That's and, a good save. and and they were like, like it was it was a house show, so they were literally like two feet from me, oh, gosh. and they were like, "It's okay, honey. You can move on." Oh. They, like an, an older lady said oh, that to me, no. and I felt so bad, but also kind of comforted. Yeah, but it's the worst, especially it's when you worst. build up something and you're like, yes. "You guys are gonna lose it when you hear this," right. and then just crickets. <laughs> You know what? That's the humbling moments where Uh it all comes back to remind us that that maybe we get a little bit too full of ourselves. Yes. Sometimes. I think that is true. Well, thank you so much for coming over and and doing the show. This was really fun. Yeah. And that'll do it for episode 96. If you would like to check out more of Betsy Long's music, you can do so by visiting BetsyLong.com. That's B-E-T-S-E-Y Long.com. Uh, she's on facebook.com slash Betsy Long Music and uh, Twitter and Instagram. I think Twitter is I'm Betsy Long and uh, I believe Instagram is the same thing. If not, you can search her name and find her there. I'm sorry. I'm totally blanking on what it is right now. Sorry, Betsy. Uh, no, but follow her on all social media platforms. She's posting some great stuff, especially some sort of teaser stuff for this new record, which uh, I'm really excited about and uh, I hope you are too. So this is episode 96, guys. Three more left and, uh, and we're going to close this thing up. Um, I cannot thank you enough for listening to this episode and if you listen to other ones uh, I'll figure out a way to thank you properly maybe like a fruit basket or something anyway uh, love you guys for episode 96 this is Nick Flora and who writes this stuff no go do something creative please please